0: Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches.
1: I'm Matt. I am the father of one Jerry Lawler. And I am Psycho Shane.
0: And I am the master and the ruler of the world. Welcome to episode 151, In Your House 1. A premiere mega event. Whoop whoop. We're in your house, guys. And in your ears. Michael, I'm in your house. Oh my gosh, you are in Oh, my house. we are in Mike's <laughs> house. Every every episode recorded in my house. It is our primary recording location. Yeah, that's what
2: I said when I walked in today. Is I'm here to cook in in your house. Like, all right, man.
0: Welcome in. This is the inaugural in your house pay per view produced by WWF. It would take place on May 14th, 1995, at the Onondaga County War Memorial in Syracuse, New York. With an attendance of 7,000 people and a buy rate of 332,000 people. Not too bad. The cost of this show, we kind of talked about how, I believe, last week WCW had raised their prices on their pay per views. WWF decided to do these in between the big five. Yeah, it's almost like
1: a monthly Clash of Champions sized event. Yeah. Where it's like you know a little bit shorter and
0: marquee matches. Yeah. So the the usual price for the big five WWF pay per views was thirty dollars, yep. but they made these smaller ones only for fourteen ninety five. I mean, so half the price. Smart.
1: Spoiler alert: I think this is worth fourteen bucks yeah. ninety five.
0: I agree. And you actually get more if you watch the show because there was. Quite a few dark matches. Oh,
1: cool! Uh, I believe
0: there was like two dark matches before the actual show started, and then there was like three dark matches after.
1: Wild, nice. After, I always find it weird when there's dark matches after a show. Yeah, just because um. it's like, oh well, didn't we already just have like? I mean, most shows. Most shows, to be if you go me... to
0: a live show, like a live TV taping, there are going to be a there's going to be a dark match or something afterwards, just to send the fans home happy. Yep. Type uh, thing.
1: Okay. I can't think. I know I think I may have seen a dark match. I mean I believe when we two, went
0: to cause... the Raw, wasn't there a match after after the Yeah, there's just a event? dark man event. Yeah. That usually like the champion or something like that, like one of the big baby faces. Yeah. It's like Yeah, it's like back. This you know, cliffhanger
2: moment and then all of a sudden somebody's running out to the ring that has nothing to do with it, but they're here to have a, a match with
1: Yeah, it's like, oh you know AJ Styles <laughs> and and X are gonna send everybody home happy with a solid wrestling yeah. match.
2: Three people you wouldn't expect to be in the ring together all of a sudden are teaming together so they can put their finishing moves on one guy that you know, looked at them wrong. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> after
1: sitting through a bunch of stories that make no sense at a Raw, you deserve maybe, you know, a wrestling match. That's right. Need that maybe moment. just a wrestling match. It might be
0: the one of the few times that wrestling is actually happening. Uh huh. <laughs> so
1: maybe it'll just be two guys flexing.
0: But the show is in Syracuse, New York. Tis,
2: tis, tis.
0: So what deliciousness did Shane bring us this week?
2: Well, I was doing my research, as I do when I do these things, and was looking up what are some signature dishes from the Syracuse area. And one that popped up on several lists caught my attention. It is called the salt potato. It's typically a... uh, a side dish during the summertime or picnics, that kind of thing, where it's just a, a simple, a simple dish of new potatoes boiled in extremely salty water, and then oftentimes tossed in uh, butter with some chives or herbs. It started way back in the day. It started back in the uh, 19th century in Syracuse, where Irish immigrants were using. Some of the uh, salinated brine from the salt mines, and this, would add this, it to this there. This a very Irish, yep. Irish meal. It's one of those that's you know real simple, but you know so simple that it's definitely extra delicious. Beer.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean those potatoes are extremely salty, but in a very good way. Yep. I was like, damn, that's a salty potato.
2: <laughs> you put uh, just a shit ton of, of salt in there. Fill the water up to uh, just to where it covers the potatoes. Bring it to a boil, and then let them simmer for about twenty minutes. And the salt, it kind of protects the outside of potato and starts to slowly seep in, but it keeps the starches trapped inside to where they cook differently because of the heat, since they're not able to escape, and it ends up creating like a, a creamier inside of the potato.
1: Definitely um, a good potato. I was surprised. I was like, oh, it's a bowl of potatoes. And I took a bite and I was like, oh, no, this is a, this is a good potato.
2: It's a, uh, a popular dish up there. I found one place called the Bull and Bear Roadhouse, that has their own little twist on it where it's the salt potatoes with some pulled pork, some bacon, cheddar cheese, sour cream, and chives. So I made us each a, uh, a heaping helping of salty potatoes with all these goodies on there.
0: I appreciated the heaping helping. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. <laughs> and it's good on a day like today where it's a little chilly outside because you know, it's wholesome, hearty, warm, meaty, deliciousness, and starchy. Yeah, if you've never had them, I suggest them. I made them with the uh, tricolored potatoes. There's some golden potatoes, some red potatoes, some actual purple potatoes. A,
1: menager- a menagerie of potatoes. A, tri- a
2: trifecta of
0: taters. So, i right? Like This is a, like a potato, comfort, potato. comfort food potato. meal. Mm-hmm. It's very delicious. This slather is and yeah, some chili. a
1: Syracuse famous bowl, if you and will.
2: Never been there, never had them. Apparently it's they're popular at like the state fair and stuff, too. So. Oh, really? Cool. Excellent. I have to go check it out mm-hmm. sometime. Solid Absolutely. Meal. Eat Like a
0: Local. Well, right around the same time as In Your House One, Montel Jordan was in the middle of a seven week run at number one with his song, This Is How We Do It. Um,
1: on Friday night? No, 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 no. That's the right song, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Friday night. When i was I'm feeling, all right? When Larry's I was a... here on the west
2: side, <laughs> so I reached for my 40 and I turned it up. The uh, driver takes the
1: keys to my truck I always was confused when I was a kid I was like, Montel, like the guy from TV? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like the daytime talk show guy? Not Montel Williams, know, Montel Jordan, Jordan. Uh, Is this I mean, this song still gets plenty of play oh, Today, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. it's uh, Stood the test of time, but my question is Is there another Montel Jordan song? I
2: want to say he like, had a follow up, but no. Not not this way, it's kind of like uh,
1: Sort of mixed a lot with like Big butts or whatever, and then the next song's like Put "Put 'em on the glass." It's like, well, you can't go from song about butts to song about tits. Like, like, yeah. come on, man.
2: It's like MC Hammer, "Can't Touch This." He had a couple I mean, other songs afterwards. MC Hammer
0: had a few more what, hits than, but
2: nothing that reached.
1: Nothing that's memorable yeah. really now, unless I you mean, were like real. Prey
2: was not that great. Adam's Family
0: rap. But you nah. know both those songs. <laughs> you cannot name another Montel Jordan song. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of missed the MC Hammer thing. I remember a little bit of the Saturday morning cartoon. I didn't even know he had a cartoon.
2: <laughs> yeah, now I was—I must have been really little. Any other songs?
1: Yeah, I'm like he had to have other singles, but there's not one that still gets radio play today. Like I uh, listened to—I
0: guess his other—he had a song hit number four later that year in "Get It On Tonight," hmm. but I couldn't. Honestly... Yeah, the chorus isn't hitting i have
1: no clue but i mean i hear this song i feel like uh, almost once a week i only Let's listen to see, looking at that same the album. old school hip-hop station so like this song still gets plenty of radio play because that's like the one station in my car if i'm not using my telephone it just defaults to uh v105 old school hip-hop so uh, this is how we do it still in high rotation over there yep right next to usher and keith sweat and then like even Ludacris is on there some early kanye west they really took yeah started where they only had like 40 songs and now they've or now they'll play 50 cent which doesn't necessarily feel old school but i guess it is at this point i
0: have to play some of something of it here because i'm like i have no clue
1: i mean he really isn't coming out swinging
0: it does not ring any bells. It's got sounds some like island, Tony, some island
2: vibes. Sounds like something Tony
0: Braxton should be singing. Oh, good call. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad song by any means, but, but it'd probably be better if Tony Braxton. It. It's definitely not something that I've ever heard before. So yeah, uh-uh. I
1: like the weird steel drum, uh, keyboard or whatever. But I'm a sucker for a steel drum. What can I say?
0: The thing I remember most about this song, uh, it. And Anita Howard's "Freak Like Me" were both out at the same time, oh. and they were usually in the top ten on TRL. TRL was in '95. I would 95. race home. Mm-hmm. I would race home from junior high at this point. Yeah, and to watch TRL. So, oh, but, that was that's pre carson you know, Daly. because I was a, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I did the same thing, but hormones, for me. You know, teenager and, you know, freak like me and Montel Jordan had, you know, very attractive ladies ladies dancing about. You
1: know. 90s, like, I guess probably 90s 8 to 2000 was my TRL watching because I think Carson Daly shows up basically around 98 because it used to just Carson be like, I think.
0: This point, so it's if it was or not.
1: I thought that they didn't really, because they didn't really turn it into a big live thing in like Times Square after, until or around like this time. But I can't remember if it was turn of the century,
2: already happening. So I think this may have been when like Matt Pinfield or was Jesse already on there at
1: that no, time? No, he's not till like <laughs> he basically shows up in like 99, okay.
2: 2000. Or did they still have like the old school?
0: MTV hired Daly as a VJ in 97. Okay. As a permanent VJ. So he, he had been doing some of the summer beach house programming while he still worked at his radio job. And he hosted TRL from 98 to 2003. So you guys are right. Yeah.
1: Because I, I think I remember when I first saw a TRL, there was so not a host still... yet. It, was, it seemed like it was just a video countdown show.
2: MTV TRL host 1995.
0: Well, this says TRL's original run was 98 to 2008. Okay. So, Randy, what were you? You so were been You were probably Randy? just
1: watching like a video countdown because we one did them every day too after our school.
0: They used to have, yeah, a,
2: a music show, like a call in request type deal that they, you know, before it became TRL, I think. In 95, my
1: parents told me not to watch uh, MTV because of things like Beavis and Butthead, and I was a very good child, so I just listened. So I didn't really so watch I mean MTV dial, until I was older. Because
0: Dave Holmes, I remember Dave Holmes being on the show as a... Yeah, Dave
1: Holmes is as the best. One of the,
0: I love that um, guy. And Hillary Burton was on there as well, because she went on to act and other things. Like yeah, Dial MTV ended in 91. Dial MTV, the first... 86 to 96, so maybe that's what it was, was Dial MTV. Mm-hmm. I just swear I thought it was
2: MTV Live. Earlier, I think that's what it was.
0: Yeah, the predecessor MTV's Most Wanted. It's direct replacement in June '91, which ran until '96. So maybe MTV's Most Wanted. That could be.
1: Yeah, but it was basically a hottest videos thing.
0: Yes, it was. Yeah,
1: because VH1 had one too, but they didn't. They only changed it. They played it the same. They played it every day, but they wouldn't change the programming until the next week. Like so, they basically did one episode a week, but played it.
2: Fucking, you know five to seven times the longest running video on TRO was Backstreet Boys shape of my heart for 61 days that's
1: that's pretty good and also surprising
2: yeah, yeah. for it to be that song and it's not even the be- <laughs> it's, not, it's like
1: not even the best Backstreet Boys song no definitely not <laughs> and I'm a Backstreet Boys I, fan in, over in my head right fan. now yeah but, yeah
2: I wouldn't uh-huh. have picked that as the the top one hmm.
1: but I guess maybe when the other ones the better ones were hitting uh there was other other good shit hitting at the same time yeah
2: I figured Montel, like maybe one more time would have just been on there forever. Montel, I can remember that was one that was always bumping in the car, you know, whenever riding around with friends, cruising the streets of Crete, Nebraska, or Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, whether are, you wanted to cruise for you know four miles or four blocks,
1: as you want to do. And as a kid with a car in high school, oh, yeah. like oh, like I guess we'll just drive. <laughs> maybe you we'll get maybe, get a maybe car, we'll go so a can waste your gas. Absolutely, everyone
0: has a, some kind of strip that they probably. Drove when they were in high school. I mean,
1: it's legal now, but when I was in high school, we would just drive out in the undeveloped areas, back areas of Edmond, Oklahoma, and uh, smoke weed while we listened to whatever we were into at the time, yeah. be, be it uh, Pink Floyd we or... We um, cornfields
2: to, to hide us <laughs> Or <so>. Pantera, <laughs> or a lot of
1: Outcast. you know. Maybe some Hatebreed well, if I we were feeling it. I was rocking
2: Montel Jordan in the seven-week run. Cause... Oh, yeah. This was a, a week before my graduation senior year so i guarantee i was
0: yeah well let's get to in your house we see the wwf logo come on the screen before fading to todd Pettingell narration over shots of a house and highlights and promos from our competitors and
2: whoever that cameraman was shooting the shots of that house was- Horrible at their job. I hope they uh, either got some extra training later on. Maybe it was just stock footage. Moved on to a different field because, I, yeah, it sucked.
0: Yeah, I have no clue what this house actually looks like. Huh. I mean,
1: point. yeah, all the only thing I really noticed, and I don't even know if it was the house or the set, but it was that super '90s like cookie cutter house that has that like thin half circle window that's at the front. They were, I just remember, I saw that and it just brought back memories of like every home that I ever saw living in California (laughs) as a kid in like a suburb of Sacramento that was basically new. So it was like every house looked like fucking that.
2: I love that they have a a show in New York giving away a house in Florida.
1: Yeah, I mean. I mean, I'd rather live in Florida than Syracuse. Yeah, it's true.
0: But like Shane said. This is the pay per view where they give away a house. And I'm just, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I know, that I've, as we I go. have so many questions. <laughs> Vince McMahon then welcomes us to the show along with Doc Hendricks. I never
1: realized Doc Hendricks was with D O K.
2: Yeah, I thought it was D O C.
1: Yeah, me too. And I was like, what is this with this K? And I assume it's because he likes rock and roll, so he's doing like a Dr. John slash Jimi Hendrix thing. I don't know if the Dr. John part's yes. right, but the Hendrix, Nobody obviously. Able to
2: spot Michael P.S. Hayes. <laughs> no, no way in no. hell. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. As,
0: as you said, that's Michael P.S. Hayes. And the last time we saw him was at Super Brawl 4, episode 112. So, How
1: long has he been with the WWF at this point?
0: I mean, I think he's been a backstage guy for probably a while, because he really wasn't, even when he was at that Super Brawl 4, he was not under contract to WCW. But I know he wasn't with WWF yet.
1: Yeah, was that when he was. I don't remember. It doesn't matter.
0: Was that it the doesn't. One where he was supposed to Jimmy fight. Yeah, he was supposed to instead. fight, and they made Jimmy fight instead. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to bring up. But yeah, I
2: was like, is it even worth it? <laughs> Who did he fight? Johnny? Was it Johnny B. Bad?
1: I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, probably. Who did Johnny B. Bad not fight between, <laughs> what, 1990 and 95
0: at this yeah. point? Vince then sends us to footage of Hakushi attacking Brett. Hart during a WWF Superstars episode doing a standing moonsault off of a stage onto Hart laying on the floor. Mm -hmm. We then go to Pettingale and he interviews Hart in the back and he says Hakushi may be undefeated but he's never faced someone like me and I will continue to prove that I am the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be. And I've dedicated this match to my mother because it's Mother's Day,
1: guys. Happy Mother's Day, um, Helen. Try.
0: Right. Yeah. I wonder if anyone else will get a happy Mother's Day.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, who knows? I think wrestlers have mothers. Some do. Some of them, their mothers probably could have, you know, tightened, you know, been a little more strict at home. So
0: we go to our first match Hakushi with Shinja. Versus Brett, the hitman Hart. And now there's a story behind this match. As Brett had won WWF Magazine's Award of the People. He's the people's champ. That's right. But Jerry Lawler had suggested that Japanese votes had been excluded and that Hart was a racist. (laughs) Sure.
1: Brett Hart's the racist Jerry Lawler. I, I believe that
0: over your ass. The king then persuaded Hakushi along these lines as well, which caused the hitman to be attacked by him, which we saw in the highlight. Shinya, we've actually seen before, last time we saw him, he was Sato, part of the Orient Express, at WrestleMania six. I
2: kept looking at him thinking... He looks really familiar, but then I thought, well, He's maybe like it's white just face because I've seen too, him so way back in the day as Shinja, so it's just the image that's popping in. But yeah, that makes sense now.
0: Yeah, Originally... I didn't
1: look it up because I knew Matt would have an answer for and I like surprises. <laughs> for WrestleMania 6, that was episode
0: 44. I that one. So the match gets going, and Akushi uses his athletic ability early on, rolling over and cartwheeling around Brett before hitting a flying shoulder block for a two-count. Hakushi starts to work the arm, only for Hart to counter with a roll-up for a two-count and starting to work the arm himself. A trio of arm drags from the hitman sends Akushi rolling to the outside to regroup. Once back in, they're going back and forth until Brett is sent chest-first into the corner, allowing Hikushi to hit a body slam and pump splash off the top rope, while we are shown Lawler looking on from the back.
1: Hakushi, I... I've seen him before I think maybe he does some work in ECW at some point but I recognize him because he has one of the best looks in all of wrestling mm-hmm. he wears like white pants and he has like Japanese kanji like up and down his body and I it's like some old samurai movie shit and he just looks perfect Yeah, he looks so cool
2: yeah I remember his look from back in the day just because as today as I was trying to think back on Hakushi, the image that I had in my mind was his words that are written on him they they reminded me of Michael B. Scott from Black Panther just the the texturized oh Michael B. Jordan? or, or Michael uh, B. Jordan yeah yeah, yeah. What I say Michael B. Scott yeah, wow, it's funny So I was I, like, oh yes, I do love the office but yeah, just the that's the look that always stands out in my head,
1: yeah, and yeah. actually. Hakushi is hes, he's awesome, he's but awesome. It, it reminds me of, there's a scene where somebody gets that stuff painted on him. I don't remember the exact historical reason, but in some Japanese movie called, I think it's Kegamusha, I don't know. I've seen a lot of old Japanese movies, but uh, yeah, it's incredible look.
0: Hakushi then locks on a trap. yeah. Wearing down heart before hitting a Bronco Buster in the corner. After being tossed to the ropes, Hitman reverses a waistlock and goes for an Okada roll, only for Akushi to drop down, using the momentum to send Brett out to the floor, where Shinya gets a few good shots in. Hart makes it back into the ring, only for Akushi to start choking him, followed by Shinya doing the same. Akushi keeps up the attack with some chops before hitting a cartwheel back elbow. Kinda... Seems familiar to another Japanese guy. Who's I mean, you
1: know, maybe uh, maybe Muda taught him.
0: Maybe he taught Muda. Who yeah, knows? Maybe. Hitman tries to fire up, but every time Akushi counters with an eye rake or a gut wrench backbreaker for a near fall. Akushi heads up top to hit a diving headbutt for a two count, followed by a springboard splash, but Brett moves it in time.
1: Oh, no. I mean, Hakushi's just been doing lots of great looking moves. He's, uh, like, I don't know if it's flashy, but he does everything with precision and, like, you know, some stuff that you don't get to see all the time. You don't see a whole lot of gut wrenches. He he did a Vader bomb earlier. I mean, you didn't call it a Vader bomb, but that's what it is to me.
0: Yeah. Hart starts his comeback with right hands, a Russian leg sweep, bulldog, backbreaker, and a second rope elbow drop from multiple two-counts. Hitman then attempts to put the sharpshooter on. Shinya jumps on the apron which distracts Brett allowing Akushi to make it back to his feet. Hart continues the attack with an inverted atomic drop clothesline before locking Akushi in the ropes and trying for a running clothesline only for Shinya to trip him up from the outside. Shinja! Hitman gets back to his feet for a tope suicida through the ropes out onto Shinya beating him down
2: you could see the uh, professional safety man in Brett as he uh, was doing this move here because he put his hand out to grab Shinja's head as they were falling back, and had he not done that, Shinja's head would have smashed into the uh, side of the Spanish announce table that was sitting there. So,
1: best there ever Pops is. Brett. Was
0: ever will be. <laughs> uh huh.
1: Excellence of execution.
0: Brett rolls back in as Akushi has freed himself, and he charges at heart, hitting a drop kick. A two count. Akushi then goes for a suplex, but Hitman reverses to send them both flopping over the top rope to the floor. As Brett is climbing to the apron, Shinja grabs his boot to keep him on the floor, allowing Akushi to hit an ICI moonsault.
1: I mean, this crowd is hot. Like, if this was uh, a happened in modern day, like around this time is where you get the This Is Wrestling chant, where everyone's like, Hell yes, this is what we came for. And it's the first match, and it's, yeah, like this could, you know, Hakushi, they, at least they built him up, but like, if he was a bigger name, like, this could be a top of the card match. Yep. It's of that quality.
0: Hakushi then tries to bring Hart back into the ring with a vertical suplex, only for Hitman to float over. The two men then trade waistlocks, with Hakushi going for a German suplex, but Brett counters into a victory roll. For the pin! And, and the win. wind. Post match as Hart is leaving the ring. He like leaps down to the floor and he falls.
1: He lands
0: on one of his feet long wrong, twists his knee. And then he hobbles to the back. Damn damn damn. So into the
1: back. Fred
0: Hart's the best. Hope he's okay. Yep. We then go to Todd Pettengill in the back, where Stan Lane and Alundra Blaze or on the WWF Superstar phone line.
2: Hey, look at the TV. Could you tell which one was which? Cuz it took me a second. I kind of forgot what they had done to Lunderblaze's look in the <laughs> uh, mid-90s cuz I mean Medusa was always very beautiful and feminine to an, you know, to an extent she would come out there with a little masculine energy to kick somebody's ass. Well, I mean, you she's just she she's a just a badass.
1: But yeah, yeah, she
2: doesn't she
1: doesn't have like masculine facial features yeah or but
2: looking at this one because her hair was cut so short mm-hmm. she was sitting next to stan lane and the only thing different about them was he was wearing a black tuxedo jacket and she was wearing you know a fringy ring jacket but yeah she was very Stanish in this uh oh yeah the shot i also have to say i was fortunate enough to see brett versus hakushi live Oh. Uh, back in the day, a few weeks before this show, I oh, believe it was a dark match Nice that's uh, awesome. for for this show. Yeah, seeing them live and then watching them on TV, it's it holds up over time. So, yeah.
1: and so that's not the biggest. You, it's not a diss on Alundra Blaze because no. Stan, prime early Stan Lane, no,
2: Stan, Lane true, a beautiful true man, hunk. Yeah,
1: now he yeah. just kind of looks like a guy that would sell you a used car with his haircut and his suit. Double. But back in the '70s, with his like mustache and long hair, yeah. like he that's was. It.
2: Yeah. Shows how wasted Alundra was. He was. You know, he should have been beautiful. And then had her sit on the phone.
1: <laughs> yeah, He should have been beautiful, Stan Lane, because Bobby <laughs> doesn't quite have the same face. So <laughs> no offense, Bobby.
0: <laughs> so we haven't seen Lane since Super Brawl 3, which was episode 87, or Blaze since SummerSlam 94. It's really sad. Back in episode 130.
2: She's the women's champion, and it's been almost a year since they put her on. I know. We got a couple pay-per-view. of good...
1: Matches with her and uh, Bull Nakano, and it'd be nice if we could continue to get some things like that, bring somebody else over to work with her. I don't know. Just an idea.
0: Lawler then walks by, saying he is ready for his match. He wants it now. That Brett's injury doesn't mean anything. But Todd says that the winners come to the 1-900 room after they win. So the king suddenly gets something on his beeper, and he leaves.
1: Oh, yeah, he's getting a. Uh, Send a message from his mom or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, mom, yeah, getting a page from mom on Mother's Day. Yeah, you gotta go take care of that.
0: Yep. Pettengill then sends it to Stephanie Wyond, who shows us footage of an armored car bringing all the entries for the house giveaway.
1: Oh, we need an armored car for that. I was curious. I was like, wait, what's in the armored car? <laughs> I never, I couldn't quite figure it out. I was like, they're bringing a Brinks truck, but, like, there's no money on the line. I missed that line, so I was just kind of, like, head scratching. <laughs> I was like, I know it has something to do with the house, but. That makes more sense than me not having any idea what it was, I guess, but I don't think anybody's trying to juice the numbers, but we'll find out how real this
0: was at some point. I'm sure you'll illuminate it to me. So Vince then welcomes in 123Kid on the phone, and the kid promises revenge once he heals from a neck injury that the roadie had caused him, which was actually a legit injury.
2: The kid in 1995 doing an interview sounds just like Sean Waltman today doing an interview. <laughs> just has not progressed on the uh, better side of things.
0: Yeah, I mean... Years. He... Well, I'm sure most of the time when he talks then and now, he's probably smoked something before he's oh yeah. done so.
2: Definitely,
1: um, definitely weed at this point in his life, which is good. I'm glad that Sean Waltman's doing well. But... I did listen to his podcast that he had a while ago uh, and it was always fun because like he's a really charming guy, but he doesn't really have a whole lot to say and he doesn't do it very well either. So I don't know why I even listened to it, but I was just like, I just kind of like him as a, I know that he's had his trials and tribulations, but he came out on the other side of it.
2: Will we be seeing him again soon? Because I believe he's been cleared to return to the ring in 2022. Where will he show up? Any ideas? I don't know. I don't know that I want to know.
0: Him, him, and maybe the Royal Rumble. Could yeah,
1: be. I wasn't even thinking of that. I did not know he but, was not. But, but I didn't do, know he that wasn't. a good Place
0: for yeah. those old
1: timers to yeah. Yeah. do something. I didn't know he wasn't cleared. I just thought he's old and chilling.
2: Yep, I don't know what the the reason he wasn't cleared previously, but yeah, there was something that I had read just recently that he's officially been cleared by the doctors to return.
0: <sighs> well, I mean, get get your money.
2: The so rich right. payday, bro.
0: McMahon then goes to Ramon in the back, where Razor says he has been having handicap matches all along. You know, having to fight Jarrett and the roadie, because the roadie always interferes. Yeah. But now it's a legal match, and then he wishes his mother a happy Mother's Day.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, now they can actually tag instead of roadie just being a rapscallion.
0: So we head to our second match, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and the roadie versus Razor Ramon in a handicap match. And this is
1: what our third Jarrett and Razor match?
0: I believe so, yes. Yeah. And uh,
1: I've loved all of them. Yes. So you know. We'll see how yeah, you know. Like yeah, this yeah, one. yeah, I know. I was already excited. I was like, cool. Maybe uh, maybe we were two for two already. So
0: Jarrett and the Roadie go for the double team at the outset, but the official clears the roadie out to the apron. Double J has then been taken down by multiple right hands by Razor, sending him out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Jarrett starts slamming Ramon into multiple turnbuckles, only to miss a dropkick, allowing Razor to fire back with a clothesline to again send Double J out to the floor. Jarrett trips up Ramon and drags him out, but Razor recovers to slam Double J's head into the apron, only for the roadie to attack him from behind. They roll back in with Jarrett tossing Ramon back and forth before hitting an insiguri and strutting to the fan's delight. Double J then starts running the ropes, and he goes for a crossbody. Only for Razor to catch him and hit a away slam. Makes the cover, but the roadie breaks it up. Jarrett now makes the tag, and we get roadie for his first legal WWF action. Hitting a running clothesline, a whiplash, and multiple elbow drops to take down Ramon. Double J returns to go for a sunset flip off a telegraph backdrop only for Razor to just sit down on the shoulders, which lead to the two trading near falls. Jarrett, with a back elbow, tries for a vertical suplex, only for Ramon to counter into a small package for a two count.
1: It's a big boy to lift up for a,
0: a suplex. But Double J recovers to hit a clothesline. The roadie starts stomping away on Razor, which, who begins to fire up, only for Jarrett to run in to break the momentum. Double J then leaps off the second rope, but Ramon catches him in the gut on his way down. Follows it up with an atomic drop and sets up for the razor's edge. Only for Jarrett to back body dropping over the ropes to the floor. Hurting his leg. Oh, no. The roadie climbs the turnbuckle and he comes off with a flying clothesline to knock Ramon back to the floor. Double J is celebrating the count out victory. When Razor makes it back into the ring at the count of nine. So Jarrett climbs the turnbuckles and hits a crossbody, but Ramon rolls three, and he got him! He got him! No. No. No, he didn't. No. That's Vince. Yeah, Vince's actual (laughs) Mm one. Double J stays on top with a dropkick for a near fall, then a swinging neckbreaker, but misses a body guillotine on the ropes. The two men start running the ropes and bump heads for a double KO with Razor making it to his feet first to hit a back suplex for them to both be down once again. Jarrett makes the tag, allowing the roadie to hit a second rope knee drop for a two count. He then applies a reverse chin lock.
1: Yeah, I laughed at that same when that happened. Second time in, it's like, all right, you did the elbow drop and some stomps. Now you're back in, elbow drop,
0: reverse chin lock.
1: <laughs> like, all right, roadie, cool. You're the best talker in your family, not the best Not the best working Armstrong.
0: Ramon begins to fight back, slamming Rhodey's face down to the mat. Double J tags back in, but Razor continues to come back with right hands, tossing Jarrett into the Rhodey. Ramon then hits a super back suplex on the Rhodey, but this gives Double J time to recover and attack from behind, trying for the figure four, only for Razor to kick him off right into the roadie on the apron which knocks him down to the floor. Ramon then hits the razor's edge on Jarrett for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, Ramon grabs the roadie to hit another razor's edge, but Double J clips the leg before slapping on a figure four.
1: I mean, they gotta get their heat back after after losing.
0: All of a sudden, Aldo Montoya runs in attacking the roadie with a drop kick and a clothesline. But Jarrett blindsides him, and they toss him out to the floor. The two men would go back to working on Ramon, when a fan <gasps> would run into the ring, what? giving them a double noggin knocker and a body slam on Double J before officials could break it up.
1: Who is this
0: mystery fan? Maybe we'll find out soon. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be wondering... Why was Aldo Montoya? Why did Aldo Montoya run down?
1: Well, I mean, his last
0: name. <laughs> that's why. Because he has something to do with her. <laughs> so basically, like when 123Kid got hurt, Aldo Montoya kind of stepped in as. Who's
2: the other little guy that we have? That Razor's
0: partner there for a little bit, and he actually got a Intercontinental Championship match as well. Oh, that's cool. But they screwed him out of. Out of that chance as well. Yeah, there's like, oh, I mean, yeah, they weren't. So he was him. kind of he was in that mix of things leading up to the pay per view. He
1: got a tiny little feature, you know, good
2: for him. Still
0: wearing a uh, a jockstrap on his head, though. Yeah, yeah
1: a superhero gimmick thing.
0: <laughs> we get an ad for King of the Ring '95 with medieval times actors using swords before transitioning to wrestler.
1: I know. I was pumped. I was like, hell yeah, we're getting King of the Ring again
0: soon. <laughs> I love a one-night tournament. We then see Lawler in the back with President Jack Tunney. That's right.
2: You're a president. I'm a king. I outrank you.
0: He's demanding they start his match with Bret Hart right now, but Tunney isn't hearing it. Vincent sends us to a highlight package on Psycho Sid, where he's just destroying opponents, including horrible-looking power bombs of Bam Bam and Razor. Mm-hmm. He's then shown attacking Shawn Michaels on an episode of Raw. McMahon then sends us to Barry Dodinsky. Oh,
2: Barry, where have you been? What a last name, Dodinsky. Why didn't I use that? (laughs) I'm Shane (laughs) Dodinsky.
0: Shane, do you remember Barry Dodinsky? Nope. I sure don't. No. Nope. Let us know. Basically, was the merch guy. Okay.
1: He, oh really? He would
0: come on the TV shows and basically be like, "Here's this new merch. Call our merch line to order it."
1: Yeah, check out our awesome all-over yeah. Bret Hart uh, print T-shirt. These now sells on eBay for five hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm like, I would kill to buy that shirt for twenty bucks.
0: Which is basically what he does on this show, because I guess there was a new brand. New Bret Hart shirt, all over print. Oh, that's right. It so good. the number to order it.
1: It only comes in an XL though. Showed all the moms in the audience wearing one. I mean, it's a cool shirt, man. <laughs> like all over print is a horrendous look.
0: Well, mom in
2: 1995 didn't want to be wrapped in Bret Hart. <laughs> I mean, He's it's a, yeah.
0: 2022, and I take a hug. <laughs> handshake. <That's laughs> I mean, yeah. I'd love to beat the man. For Speaking sure. Speaking of moms,
2: leads us to our next match.
0: Right, our third match, <laughs> Mabel with Mo versus Adam Bomb in a King of the Ring qualifying match. I mean, Shane, what a what a transition. <laughs> I, so, I,
1: so. <laughs> I mean hey. yeah.
2: M-O-N, Can't say. And uh, Mabel's looking extra fierce in this entry or entrance. Yeah, this is
1: uh, like hints to viscera <laughs> with that angry face. Mm-hmm. Mom has turned heel
0: at this point.
2: Oh, Yep,
1: I mean, I guess, so. Oh, Atom Bomb is
2: not a heel. People no more, actually have Atom Bomb signs. No more fun and happy song as they walk
0: down to the ring, pumping up the crowd. Yeah, because, nope. uh, what, was, what was their... Uh, Oscar. Under, Oscar. Yeah, yes. Oscar's been beat up and kicked out, so he's no longer around. But Doc, he says the Atom Bomb is his favorite in this match. Oh, my God. As Mabel's weakness is that he normally is a tag team wrestler which i mean yeah. that's sound logic I'll, I'll give him. yeah it's sound logic but mabel is 500 pounds
2: and adam bomb is not yeah adam bomb is a wrestler who usually gets beat so <laughs> i mean
1: adam bomb looks more like a wrestler for
0: sure oh yeah but the match gets going and adam nails mo who tries to get in bomb's face allowing mabel to attack him from behind hitting an avalanche splash. Mabel misses a second attempt, so Adam hits a shoulder block that knocks Mabel out to the floor, followed by a pescado over the ropes.
1: Do you imagine Mabel doing a pescado? <laughs> I don't think he can jump that high. I don't think so either. Bam Bam is not five hundred pounds. Vader is not five hundred pounds.
0: <laughs> Mabel is rolled back in with Bomb following in with a slingshot clothesline for a one count. So Adam goes up top for a clothesline for another. One count. Mabel then hits a spinning wheel kick, tosses Bomb to the ropes where Adam goes for a crossbody, only for Mabel to catch him and hit the power slam for the pin and And the win. win. So Mabel qualifies for the King of the Ring tournament. Yeah, he did. there's one person you have to look forward to in the tournament.
1: The other thing where I was like, well, I mean, maybe Adam Bomb would win. They gave him that cool thing where it shot up like a little... Poof of smoke that looked like an atomic explosion, which I thought was very funny. And a weird little touch just for Atom Bomb. Well, this would be the last time. <laughs> 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 they sent him
0: off with a bang. We That's would right. see Atom Bomb for a couple of years. Mm. Buh, buh, bye. Thanks when, for wasn't coming. was Atom Bomb your favorite? I mean, he's he's up there with Crush. Yeah. I think. I think <laughs> we go to the back top Pettingales there with Razor Ramon. And he introduces his mysterious helper, Savio Vega. Oh yeah. So the last time we saw Vega was at Royal Rumble 95, so just a couple months ago, episode 141, when he was Quang.
1: Uh, Quang. 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 It's like <laughs> such a, I don't know, it's such a bad name, it's good. It's, it's how
0: Redneck uh, calls uh, the Avengers greatest foe. <laughs> His
1: name's Kang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Quang. Quang. (laughs) I don't know about that. Quang.
2: Savio Vega is definitely a step up from Quang. Yeah. And Savio Vega is about to make things
1: kind of fun. If he stayed as Quang and got over it and got to 1995's King of the Ring, he could have been the Quang of the Rang. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but outside of that, I don't know. Like I, I, I think I think, I think, I think Savio Vega, it's a better turn because he gets to <laughs> stand next to Razor Ramon, but the Quang of the Quang Rang of the would Rang. be very good.
2: Quang-a-rang. <laughs> uh,
0: so we're headed to our fourth match. The Smoking Guns of Bart and Billy Gunn pew, pew. versus Owen Hart and Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji for the WWF Tag Team Championships.
1: You know what I would love? If one of the smoking guns would shave their mustache because they look so damn similar mm-hmm. that it's pretty tough. It's like, I know what Billy Gunn looks like, but with the mustache, it's just
2: it's like, wait, which one is it? You just gotta look. Which one's more blonde? Billy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, Billy has blonde blonder hair.
1: They got hair, like similar physiques hair. and the hair's in the face. Yeah. But uh, I love that the Owen Hart, like with the sword image that they put into the ring, because right now they're using like the, the holographic stuff. Yeah, what do you call the? Uh, they're not holographic. But, uh, projections. Uh, projections, yeah. And um, they're all they're all super fun, but this Owen Hart one has uh, is is real nice.
0: Before any of those four men hit the ring, or actually, I guess the guns were in the ring.
1: Yeah, they didn't really get an entrance. Yeah, foreshadowing. The guns, the guns don't get in it,
0: <laughs> but all of a sudden Lawler charges down to the ring as he still wants his match with Bret Hart to start, ASAP. But officials sending to the back.
1: So, like that's it's not a, how it it's works. not
0: time yet, bro. It's, we got this match going on. And then they show us a picture of Bret Hart in the locker room icing his knee. It's I'm worried. hurt. I don't know if this match is going to happen, guys. He's hurt. He's hurting. He's hurting. But the match for the championship does get started with Billy putting a headlock on Yoko, who tosses him off the ropes to hit a shoulder block. But Billy comes right back with several drop kicks before tagging in Bart, who eats a headbutt. Nice mm, try, Bart. Owen tags in only for Bart to press slamming before hitting a drop kick. Billy then comes in for a vertical suplex drop kick combo with his brother for a two count. Billy gets distracted by Fuji waving the Japanese flag, allowing Hart to recover and hit an insiguri. Zuna's then back in with a clothesline on Billy, and he begins to punch away before clamping on a trap hole.
2: I mean,
1: we always say every time we see Yoko Zuna, he's got another 50 pounds on him. Maybe he weighs the same as he did last time, but uh, he's not more mobile. No. So trap hold it I is. <laughs> Trap hold it is.
0: Owen returns with a neck breaker, but Billy fires up to hit a sunset flip for a near fall, only for Hart to come right back with a spinning wheel kick to send Billy out to the floor. Oh, Billy. Yokozuna drops down from the apron and he charges towards Billy, but Gun moves, sending Yoko into the ring post. Posted. That's a whole lot of man getting posted right there. Billy rolls back in where Owen misses a running corner dropkick, allowing Billy to make the hot tag. tag. Bart with left hands, back elbow, body slam for a two count on Owen. He continues by sending Hart into the corner, chest first, before hitting a back suplex. The guns that team up for the sidewalk slam neck breaker combo and then celebrate instead of making a cover. So they only. Get a two count. I mean, what are you
2: guys? Heels? Yeah, and I love that uh, at this moment, Doc Hendricks is on the mic just screaming about how stupid they are for celebrating (laughs) right there. Like, I love your commentary on here, because,
0: yeah, that was dumb.
1: Yeah, keep them honest. The Sidewalk Slam Neckbreaker, like, these guys should have a name for that by now.
0: I think they did, but I... Couldn't remember. I yeah,
1: don't remember. It it's not. It's obviously not like that. The important. Gun or Yeah, like that. That. Like the Gun like Club.
0: Sidewinder side or something like that. Yeah, that ours, were, ours were both better than that. <laughs> Bart then attempts a running crossbody, only for Owen to duck, which sends Gun flying through the ropes to the floor, where Zuna is back up to squashing with a leg drop. Yokozuna then rolls Bart back into the ring while Billy is dealing with Cornette, who is up on the apron. So Owen just makes the cover for the pin, and And the win. win.
1: Solid enough, they got their stuff in, and if you're going to have Zuna in here now,
0: might as well be someone like Owen. mm -hmm. We go to the back, and Pettengill is there with Diesel. And the big man says he is sad due to losing his mother last year. And this is Mother's Day. Poor guy but he's 100% after a beatdown he had received from a million-dollar corporation-employed Henry Godwin.
1: Getting slammed by Henry Godwin is shameful.
0: Yep. Diesel says he's coming after Sid after he injured his friend, Shawn Michaels. Sid may call himself the master, Well, I'm the walrus, Cuckoo, Cachoo.
1: I was like,
2: what? Happy Mother's
1: Day. <laughs> yeah, is Diesel a big, is, is he a big Beatles fan? <laughs> he Did he be. watch like, yeah, he put in fucking Yellow Submarine the night before or something. <laughs> I just thought it was very funny. And also, he didn't even get it right. He, he says Goo Goo, instead of Cuckoo, kachoo. It sounds, but I was, I had the subtitles on and that's what they said. So I was like, wait a second, that's not right. And I rewound it and I was like, oh no, that is he just said it wrong, <laughs> which is really funny. It's like I guess he's not a Beatles fan. Weird thing to say. If he's the master, I'm the walrus. Like
0: okay, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's like something that like Jim Cornette would have said in a promo. He always makes like weird rock references and stuff.
2: I'd say it sounds like a, a Mean Gene slip up. I am the walrus. Goo goo chew. <laughs> but you
1: know that Mean Jeans, smart enough to do that on purpose, just to give, her, just to pop everybody else that's like at the recording.
0: We go to the ring, and Jerry the King Lawler is there with his mother. mother. Mm-hmm. Now his mother is a young twenty-something woman, mm-hmm. so it was probably more likely that it was his girlfriend at the time.
1: Yeah, maybe. Ooh. Yeah, Maybe that's his Syracuse girlfriend for when he's up in Syracuse. Yeah. Hose and
0: different guys. area codes. That's yeah. mommy yeah. situation.
1: Maybe they got her from Hose R Us. <laughs> but uh,
0: she's... His godfather's not here yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's looking good and I would know because I'm um, Jerry Lawler's father if you don't remember from the beginning I, of the I do
0: <laughs> Lawler cuts a promo insulting Brett and his mother and then dedicates the match to the young woman that's Right there. Uh, who he's referring to as his mother. Yeah. Then the mother challenges Helen Hart. <laughs> <laughs> and the king says, if you want to see wrinkled flesh, that's probably her. We then go to the back, where the hitman is with Todd Pettengill. And Todd asks about the leg. Brett gives a little smile and says, it's 100%. Oh. As he jumps up and down.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, I love... You know, Jerry has been so shitty to Brett over the course of like a year plus at this point that Brett can do stuff like this and it's just like, yeah, no matter what Brett does, it can't be worse than what Jerry's done. And Brett also wouldn't stoop to those things either. So it's, yeah, it's the, it's the good kind of, you know, it's like fair. He's very fair in his, uh, revenge.
0: So we go to our fifth match, Jerry, the King Lawler. With his mother, versus Brett the Hitman heart. Now Hitman hobbles his way out to the ring.
1: Yeah, he's just joshing him,
0: but then shows Jerry that he is perfectly fine, and the King's reaction is perfect.
1: Oh yeah, and I love that Brett does that, and then like, and then goes back to hobbling on the knee, and then walks in, like it just a just to be a, a shit in his cut, just to just to, yeah, he's having fun, and he's like, oh you're it's yeah you're about to get it brother.
0: Brett starts laying it in on Lawler, with the king rolling to the outside to escape. But Hart stays on him, running Jerry into a guardrail and slamming his head into the steel steps. Back in the ring, Hitman keeps up the attack with a snapmare, leg drop, backdrop, and some chokes, only to telegraph another backdrop, allowing Lawler to hit a piledriver. But Brett no-sells it. Hart bulldogs the king, giving him a pile driver in return. Followed by standing on him in the ropes. Lawler rakes the eyes to break the momentum. Body slams Hitman and heads up top. But Brett catches him in the gut on his way down. Hart with a back elbow. Head butt to the gut. And just starts beating on the king. When Shinja appears on the apron. And the ref goes over to deal with him. While Brett's tossing Lawler to the ropes where he collides with the official. Sending Earl Hebner tumbling out, but his leg gets caught in the ropes, so he's just like dangling.
1: This is what we call one hell of a ref bump. Yes. Earl Hebner's taking one for the team.
0: <laughs> Hart continues the beat down with a Russian leg sweep and the second rope elbow drop. While Shinja is shielding the ref's vision from seeing Hakushi run down to nail Hitman with a top rope double axe handle. The king sets Brett up for a pair of Hakushi swan dive headbutts before Shinja frees Hebner from the ropes so that he can see Lawler jackknife cradle up for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, Jerry and Hikushi look to double-team the hitman, but Brett ducks a clothesline, allowing him to fend them off to clear the ring.
1: And This is the kind of interference that doesn't stop the momentum of the match because there's so much interference these days that just, like, turns a match super cold. But this is still kinetic, and yeah. it's still telling, like, a story, and it doesn't really take you out of it. Like, I don't know. I think that this is done really well. Even if you, of course, want to see Brett beat Jerry Lawler, don't we just want to see Brett and Jerry Lawler again? If we can get two matches from Brett on each pay-per-view, like, why not?
0: <laughs> Very true.
1: And I'm not mad at this at all. I was like, oh, if it, it was done, like textbook
0: well we go to the back with psycho sid and he says that time has run out for diesel and he will become a symbol of the many victories he will have and that he is the master and ruler of the world,
1: world. of the world yeah he does that through his teeth and his eyes are shaken honestly is the best thing sid ever did his psycho sid
0: promos the um, Psycho Sid promo is probably, yeah. Yep. They're, they're, I
1: think they're really good. Yeah. Like, for as silly it may be, but we're talking about wrestling. And this is not even just wrestling, it's WWF wrestling. Yeah. It's going to be silly. But I think that he does silly that. He, yeah, he does it really, life. really well. I mean, he <laughs> looks, always looks impressive, and he can powerbomb the shit out of somebody. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: We then go to Todd Pettengill and Stephanie Weyond. By the screens. To show footage of the house before they draw the winner.
1: I'm so excited for some explanation, and I truly hope you have it.
0: So, remember the armored car? It brought all the envelopes, and they have it in a big, like, almost swimming pool of envelopes.
1: Yeah, it's like a... Over 300,000 submissions. You know what it reminded me of? You know when you go to, like, an aquarium, and they have a thing where it's like, you can touch the fishes or whatever, and it's just like this giant plexiglass with no lid. It was basically one of those full of letters.
0: But they decide to mix up the envelopes some more. Yeah. So they go swimming. So, what are they going to use? Weon says a rake. And Todd's like, what a great idea. And he runs off to the garage. Garage. <laughs> and he actually gets a pair of rakes. Yes. Just like two big, you know, green this is, wood this handle rakes. This is WWF comedy guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. What be- if they got r- Yeah, I can't they do begin a raking one. the envelopes? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you want to call it that, it's like they just—they're scratching, scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally. A, yeah. There's a lot of
1: envelopes in there. It's like yeah. we should have got a tumbler, but I guess they want to—they want to put over the fact that so many people sent something in.
2: I mean, if that was the case, yeah, have have all those things in a plexi bin that dump mm, into a cement mixer. There you go. And turn that on. That's fine. Because this whole rake thing was just lame. I was like, but, this doesn't seem very fair. I mean, you don't have a cement mixer in your garage, I
0: guess, at the house <laughs> that they're giving away. But Stephanie finally picks an envelope out, and then they bring in officials from the clearinghouse to check to make sure it's a proper entry. And I'm just like, wouldn't there they is check to make sure all of these entries before they proper put them proper before there. they even put them in this thing? And there's like, there's legitimately
1: like, at least, I don't know how you would guess this, but it's probably like 40,000 fucking letters in there. There's so many. Oh, it's so, crazy. It's over 300,000. Is that what they said? Yeah. Oh, but wow. the
0: officials from the clearinghouse is like looks literally like a fifteen year old girl. <laughs> oh and, yeah, it's
1: she's it's like her dad and, and then her, she's like her yeah it's her and her, her, her dad, dad
0: who's going through puberty while he answers this question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, he's like the a, a very uh, like Jewish looking like
0: landlord with his fifteen year old daughter. And so now that they have the envelope and the person, they're like on live TV guys Let's pick up a phone and call them.
1: Mm-hmm. They got a very awesome 90s red
2: phone. With big old <laughs> buttons on it.
0: But I guess Todd either like forgets to put the area code in or something because they get the operator.
2: Yeah, oh, he put the area code in. I think he forgot to hit one.
0: Oh. oh. They try again, and it's ringing. Oh my God, who could it be? Someone answers, and Pettingale asks if Matt Pompasilli is home. And all of a sudden, the people on the phone just start going crazy, and the oh dad actually thinks it's a joke. Of course. But this family won a house in Florida. A whole ass home. A little information about Matt Pomposilli. Who's Matt Pomposilli? This is what I need to know. How real is this? He was an 11-year-old from Henderson, Nevada. Ah. His family actually did win this house. It was a real contest. Oh, really?
1: I just figured it was
0: some silly fake shit. They would actually sell the home for one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars six months later.
1: I mean, why not? They already got it. If they don't want to move the if if they don't I mean, want to move the kids to, away from their friends, they probably
0: have to friends. pay taxes on it to yeah get it. So I mean,
1: not could. most. Yeah, a lot of people can't be affording
0: to homes. the wording
2: they kept using when they were talking about giving away the house. Is it was a summer house. He was on a golf course the course. kept
0: inviting himself over. You know what, country club, but then yeah. they
2: kept saying something about a summer home. So I'm like, all right, is it a timeshare? What the hell is it? Because they just kept stressing that part. Yeah, that so family, they could hear that they were sell the house because it. it's
1: all profit for them. And then, Or they could have uh, turned it into, depending on how nice the area was, turned it into a rent home. But selling it is much easier because you don't have to like pay somebody for upkeep. And yep. But good for them. That's great. I mean, that, that money probably put old Matt Pompaselli through
2: college. And a $175,000 house in 1995 would be ooh. how much
0: now? <sighs> oh my God. In Florida. Yeah, I mean, in yeah. Florida. On a golf
1: course, yeah, it's like ooh,
0: a lot. It's probably at least doubled in price. Yep, at least. Pri- I
1: mean, yeah, I'd say it's probably more like half a million dollar home now. Yeah. I don't remember where they said in Florida, but if it's on a golf course, it's probably not uh, in the, like, you know, it's probably not in Homosassa. One of the few places in Florida I've been to. I would highly suggest not going there. But it is the North American capital of the manatee.
0: So we're headed to our sixth match. Psycho Sid with Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase versus Diesel for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. So there's a story behind this match. There better be. It's for the title. As the night after WrestleMania 11, Shawn Michaels would ask for a rematch with Diesel, telling Sid that he would have the night off because he blamed his bodyguard for the interference backfiring during that show. Uh-oh. Psycho Sid would not be happy about this, and he would powerbomb the Heartbreak Kid multiple times, legitimately injuring him <laughs> and sidelining him for a few weeks. Uh, Diesel was then set... One way to get a title run, <laughs> or title chance, opportunity. Well, Diesel was then set to match up with Bam Bam Bigelow on TV for the title, while Sid was scheduled to face Diesel at this show.
1: I hope what you're about to say is what I think you're going to say.
0: But Psycho Sid was not happy about this because if Bigelow had won, Sid would not be getting a title shot.
1: Oh. I was assuming that if that when he powerbombs Bigelow, he hurt him too.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But alas, Diesel would retain when the Million Dollar Corporation would turn on Bam Bam until Diesel would help him clear the ring. And then it would come out that it was all part of Psycho Sid's plan as he would join the Million Dollar Corporation to ensure his title shot. Hence the reason Ted DiBiase is his manager for this.
1: Yeah, sounds all good. I guess... Yeah, how, WrestleMania 11. It's like how long ago was that? I guess that was the first time we've seen Sid in the WWE. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, a couple weeks ago. It just seems like a while ago. But that, like, yeah, I was like, I was watching this. and I was like, Have we seen Sid yet? And I was like, Oh, I guess yeah. He had at WrestleMania 11, but
0: remember he pulled the turnbuckle. Yeah, yeah. I do. I... And they missed it.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. But he had. We had. That was the only time we'd seen him because he'd been on TV and not on our previous yeah. pay-per-view.
0: So our two competitors would stare each other down until Diesel shoves Sid away before hitting a pair of corner clotheslines to force Psycho to retreat to the floor. Big Daddy Cool would leap off the apron with a double axe handle before tossing Psycho Sid back in to land a few more clotheslines. Sid rolls out again, dragging Diesel out to the floor as well, only for Big Daddy Cool to stay in control, sending Psycho Sid back into the ring. DiBiase would then climb onto the apron to distract Diesel, allowing Sid to hit a running knee to the back, sending Big Daddy Cool back out to the floor.
1: This uh, also, I was like, damn, these guys are big. This is that shit that Vince has been just, you know, he's... he's been, pants down for this. Oh there. my gosh, yeah. He is chubbed the hell up because I'm like, damn, these guys are big and scary looking and powerful and as much as I love Brett and Sean... This is what Vince wants at the top of his card. And he's getting it
0: right now. Psycho Sid follows out to continue the punishment, slamming Diesel onto the apron and ramming his back into the ring post. Post. Back in the ring, Sid continues to work the back with sledges and forearms before locking on a camel clutch. I mean,
1: Sid's got to do something outside of hurt people with power
0: bombs. Psycho Sid releases it to hit a leg drop and makes a cover. But only for a two, so he goes back to the clutch where the referee checks on Big Daddy Cool, but he keeps the arm up.
1: And Sid's clutch is not very clutch.
0: No. Nope. It kind of looks Sid's like a clutch is very Sid
2: sloppy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it looks like he's in a foreign country, like taking
0: about to take a shit, and,
1: <laughs> and like a hole in the ground.
0: Sid goes for a sit-down splash on the back, only for Diesel to move. But he runs right into a choke slam. Psycho Sid then plants Big Daddy Cool with a power bomb and starts gloating. So once he makes the cover, he only gets a near fall. Sid then charges into a corner. But Diesel moves to avoid, grabbing Psycho Sid to deliver snake eyes, a big boot, and a jackknife power bomb. When Tatanka runs in to break up the pin and cause the disqualification. To talk to... To talk to who?
1: To... Oh, the guy that... That guy.
0: Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Post-match, Million Dollar Man and his teammates join in in a three-on-one beatdown before Sid sets up for another powerbomb, only for Diesel to backdrop Psycho Sid to escape, followed by Bam Bam Bigelow running down to the ring to clear it. Diesel would celebrate in the ring... Because he's still the champion. As Vince says his goodbyes. We then get a commercial. This
1: is a great commercial.
0: For WWF. Where there's aliens talking about Earth. How it is destroying itself. And one of the aliens asks if there's any reason to not eliminate Earth.
1: He's like, hey, these guys are already fucking it up. Why don't we just take it out? (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Sound logic, alien.
0: And the other says that there is... A federation that shows promise. And we see clips we, of wrestling. We, we get clips of wrestling. And then we get the logo WWF. Saving the world as we fade to black.
1: It's it's very like not like mid-90s MTV kind of. Yeah. Or like very 90s MTV type of ad. And I kind of love it.
0: I literally was about to just like hit the back button or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, this commercial comes. I'm just like. <laughs> i was like did i did i already move forward to yeah. the next thing that's playing that's yeah, what did i it was thinking load? too
2: i had to hit up on my remote just to see is this still the same show nope. or did it already jump to the next
1: yeah what a nice little house. uh it's what a it's it's like your after credits scene <laughs> I liked
2: it a lot. it's like that one of those avengers mm-hmm.
1: our, who's our our alien teaser <laughs> for uh, in your house only too. they were
0: eating some swarm.
1: <laughs> oh yeah uh
0: but yeah i was like oh what a good commercial So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of In Your House 1?
1: Incredibly watchable show. Maybe it's rose-colored glasses because we just did a bunch of ECW, which I have enjoyed. But, you know, what WWF does and what WCW and what ECW do are all different things. WCW, unfortunately, is consistently different. Uh, so sometimes that's a problem, but that's an understatement. <laughs> but that being said, it was nice to be back here with a nice, crisp, clean-looking show with storylines that mostly make sense and get moved forward, and some uh, great wrestling, some solid stories, and uh, surprisingly, the crowd was really into the last match and didn't really boo ending on a DQ, which I was very surprised at. I guess they just really didn't want Sid to have the belt, so they were happy that it was a DQ. But it's kind of scary to do a DQ on your last match. Yeah. Which, I mean, I say that, but how many times have we seen it with Hogan and the sword?
2: Kind of along those same lines. Yeah, it was a, a very watchable show. It had some fun moments. For me, it brought back some memories just because I'd gone to a... Uh, a Raw taping uh, a couple weeks before, so I got to see a lot of these same people and got to see a couple of them working dark matches. Um, as I said before, Brett and Hakushi, it held up just as much today as it did back then, and they were one of the dark matches I got to see. I actually got to see Diesel versus Sid in a dark match at that uh, Raw taping, and it was about as exciting as this one. Yeah, The, the main event on this one just... It sent people home moderately happy, I guess, but it was still just kind of a match yeah. itself. I mean,
1: but Sid was is scary and big enough that he still is an a believable threat. Yeah, I could have like if they put the belt on Sid right here, I would not have been necessarily surprised. I don't think it would have been like an uh, upset. No, like it, it would have like it's it's believable. I mean, it's Sid is as big as Diesel. Shawn Michaels'
2: He's former bodyguard. Meter, Shawn I mean. Michaels' former bodyguard. They're, they're about as even as you can get there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for me, the main event underwhelms. I agree. But the rest of the card works for me quite a bit. Mm-hmm.
1: It ebbs and flows really well. And nothing overstays, outstays out its welcome.
0: I feel keeping the time down as the show was. Literally less like, than two hours. It's like 148 or something. I love is yeah. super smart, especially since it's a cheaper pay-per-view. Yep. I mean, you're paying half the price of the show. You know, you might as well not go, you know, balls to the walls, basically, with... But, on the same note, because of that... It's lean it, and mean. It does rob us of certain superstars not appearing on this show. Because, you know how I said earlier, there were some dark matches... Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they, I'm interested to hear these. They did three dark matches after the show went off the air. Who'd we have? Undertaker and Kama. Okay. The, I mean, people are going to pop. Machine. You people know. are
1: popping hard for uh, UT, mm-hmm. so,
0: you know. Bigelow and Tatanka had a singles match. Nah.
2: But, I mean, is
0: cool. Save mm-hmm. It as a dark match. <laughs> and Owen Hart and British Bulldog.
2: Okay, so yeah. Oh, remember, wow. Yeah, the two names that um, were standing out to me was Where's British Bulldog and Where Was Lex? So, I mean... Yeah. Two out of three. I mean, honestly, those are all I mean, fine. the
0: Bulldog-Owen match was filmed for a Raw. So, they they filmed them. Yeah. But that one was... Pretty, I mean, we still had we, used, yeah. we
2: did have Owen, though. So, that was a plus.
1: Yeah, Owen Bulldog. I mean, I understand why you wouldn't just put that on a pay-per-view if it's not a current story or whatever. But, like, what a...
0: It, it was a King of the Ring qualifying match. Oh... But, I mean, I think you, you definitely want the championship match on the pay-per-view. And a yeah, exactly. Match. It makes for a good TV yeah. match. So, yeah, and, like, I which mean... Which is where, where it ends up being shown at. Who doesn't want
1: to see Bulldog versus Owen? Like, <laughs> yeah. That sounds so good. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right,
0: fuck you. I think it's time we mark it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show for you?
1: The entire first match? just kind of pitch perfect.
0: Yeah, when Akushi did the handspring back elbow, oh, I, I was all like, "Ooh, great muda." Yeah, yeah. yeah. In my notes, I just like wrote
1: uh, Muda-san. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. First match
2: was awesome.
1: This was such a such an easy watch. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I just like
1: that's why that's like kind of like the biggest compliment I can give it cuz out like the first match is the best match, but I don't think there's anything here that's like Dog shit. No, I mean, but the first match, obviously. I mean,
0: I really like the the little interstitials with King with Aller. Yeah,
2: I mean, he's so good. That's actually falling into one of my most surprising.
0: It, you know, that story makes sense the entire time, and and then Bret Hart to. Oh, when he came out to pull the mm kind of pull the rug out from under him. Like it's
1: just it's definitely one of the that's definitely one of the best moments that's not like I guess an in ring moment, but it's like, oh Brett, just being being a cheeky little fucker is so good. Absolutely.
0: Any other best moments?
2: I mean the the show overall was kind of a best moment. It's it's been a while and again maybe it's because of like Michael said, we've watched so many E C W shows lately that this was just kind of a feel good show. Uh, almost from start to finish. Yeah, it's
1: like the production quality and the fact that, like everything here made sense. It just, it just felt it was like a, it was kind of like our uh, meal this
0: evening. Right. It was like comfort food.
2: An eleven-year-old won a house. Yeah, yeah, good for him.
0: <laughs> How about most disappointing?
2: Tatanka spoiling the main event. Just, <laughs> Tatanka just. Just Just Tatanka, I guess. Uh,
0: I mean, you're probably not gonna like the main event of the next pay per view. <laughs> what else?
2: I mean, oh, it was nice
1: to see Razor and Jeff again. It's not my favorite, but it really does a good job of uh, putting Razor over even bigger because he beat two guys. I mean, but it's done. It was worth. Disappointing worked really for me
0: well. is like considering the family that the roadie comes from. Like, yeah, that family knows how to wrestle. He's. I mean, he's and he is. Yeah, not good. we know that we know that road and dog his dance
2: moves are even worse than his wrestling ability
1: we know that road dog is all talk and the rest of the armstrong family is no talk yeah yeah. and it is what it is it is what it is but it is a shame that like he's just doing second second rope uh brett brett style elbow drops that don't look as good as brett's because how could they
0: and the main event for me, I think a lot of the reason, I mean, it's two guys who can't work. Really, no. they they don't know how to put a match. I mean, that's why they need Sean or Brett in one of these. Yeah, it's those, like Razor.
1: Like, why Razor and Jeff works so well? It's like well, they have some chemistry, yeah. but like Jeff knows what the hell he's doing. And but they literally, have they have their
2: own sprinkling of charisma. Whereas they spent the
0: first half of this match just going in and out of the ring, like hitting something, falling out of the ring. Hitting something, going back in the ring. Hitting yeah. something, going back. It was just like do stuff in the <laughs> ring.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was like the worst of it was like two Hogan's But when both of them <laughs> are, but when both
0: of them literally only have like four moves and like it's Yeah, and one I'm of them is a
1: camel of a Hogan camel crap. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> you know, Jeff Jarrett's kind of like part lawler like part flair. He's not the as good as either of those guys in the things that they're great at, but he's a good mix of that like Memphis style, but he can also work and put together a match really well. So, you know, big ups to Jeff Jarrett for really adding a lot of enjoyment to these handful of pay-per-views that he's been showing up on
0: lately. How about best performer of the night?
1: Whenever Brett has two matches, it's it's Brett, but uh, I'm going to give the nod to hakushi because he looks cooler than everybody else and he obviously is very talented and then to jeff for jeff just he's always puts it together the matches always like make sense and milk the tension well
2: yeah i mean brett hakushi i mean that's the best match on the show right
0: yeah yeah i mean it's
2: obviously it's i'll even give a little shout out to Michael P. S. Hendricks,
0: uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, know, I thought so carry. too.
2: I mean, it's he did great. In a lot of his words and wisdom that he was throwing in, you know, during mid matches, especially during the tag team match, where he was calling it like you know a coach on the
0: sidelines. You know, yeah, I was, was glad he didn't try and do, do Bobby like, the and... one liners like Bobby and the Lawler because he just he kind stood of All right, well, you, know, you yeah. guys just lost
2: the match right here because you did this. They need to be yeah. doing this. And he was kind was of like, "What if Tony
1: Schiavone knew what it was?" like, to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
2: okay. Not so many your mom jokes and actually <laughs> mm-hmm. talking about what yeah. was happening in the ring. So that was refreshing. And if
1: he did the jokes, it would have been really distracting. But, like, I think that the commentary really did... was very cohesive with the show, which I was kind of nervous. I was like, what is Doc Hendricks? Like, what is Michael P.S. Hayes commentary going to be like? And he was a pretty straight... pretty straight for a color commentator. But the color he did give was, like, very...
0: Sensical. Yeah, I'm giving best performer to Lawler. Lawler. I I really enjoyed the out of the ring stuff with him, and the in ring stuff was was well done as well. I mean, and you know, it never hurts to have Bret Hart as your opponent. So yeah. How about most surprising?
2: See, I was gonna give Lawler. Is my most surprising the fact that there were so many little segments with him, and it didn't feel like it was oversaturated, and it didn't get annoying with his
0: absolutely corny absolutely.
2: comedy.
1: Yeah, he didn't he didn't overdo it. It was the right amount of him for sure. Yep.
0: I mean, most surprising for me is Hakushi, because like literally he get, I was I didn't know what to expect. Cause I do not remember him I at re- all.
1: I remember seeing him in watching some old ECW when I used to download old ECW stuff and like burn it to like a video C D and get high and watch it with my friend. So I but I wasn't super familiar with him. But I recognized that look. So I was interested in what it was gonna be. I was very pleasantly surprised.
0: And yeah, I I was I mean, obviously one of my favorite moments is him doing doing a Muda move which
1: He did he nailed it.
0: I mean he hit the ACI moonsault as well, which is something I don't think we've ever seen in a WWF ring. Mm-hmm. He was super
1: crisp, and his moveset was really fresh for a WWF show. But
0: I can guarantee there's probably not very many people on this WWF roster that he could work with.
1: No, no. no. Like, he could probably Sean's work with Jeff. right now. He could probably work with <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, but like...
2: Maybe 1, 2, 3, but he's also injured.
1: Yeah, and 1, 2, 3 like, <laughs> is still maybe a little... Yeah, I mean, because... He was so calculated. He was like, nothing... All of his stuff looked just as good as Brett's.
0: Probably needs to get him a tag team partner. Which is a
1: huge compliment. He did like...
0: I don't know if he'll he'll be able to do much in singles. Yeah. He did like the pump handle
1: shit. I'm a sucker for pump handle and gut wrench stuff. And like... Yeah, his moveset was great. And I was like, man, I don't know much about the guy. I don't know where else he's worked. But uh, I was like, I could see... This guy having a whole lot of great matches in his career. And I'm interested where they might be. So,
0: And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. After winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Riki Choshu would be a fighting champion. Including taking on a challenge from a man that had defeated him earlier in the year big van vader the two men would meet up at fighting satellite 1989 in tokyo japan at the rogoku gogogicon the match would start with hard-hitting shots from both but vader would begin to overpower choshu even applying ricky's own move the sharpshooter onto him big van vader would eventually miss a charge into a corner allowing choshu to make a comeback hitting a superplex and multiple clotheslines for near falls. Vader would retreat to the outside to regroup, but would be brought back into the ring with a vertical suplex, only to recover to hit a dropkick and a sunset flip out of nowhere to pick up the win and become champion for the second time. During this reign, Vader would face Stan Hansen in a New Japan versus All Japan supercard, during this matchup, Hansen would unintentionally poke Big Van Vader's left eye, causing the eye to pop out of its socket. Vader would push it back in to hold it in place with his eyelid, continuing to wrestle until the match was considered a no contest. As a result of the injury, Vader would have to have a metal plate surgically placed under his eye. Vader would also begin working in WCW to help build his notoriety in America during this time. Big Van Vader would hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over a year until he would eventually meet his old rival once more right back in Tokyo, Japan.
1: Damn, Leon.
0: You're a trooper. Yep. <laughs> One of the craziest things I've ever... Because I've, I've watched the video. Oh, really? It's I'm just like, holy...
1: I mean, the match sounds great, uh, but uh, Choshu suplexing Vader back into the ring. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't the cleanest suplex, but still, uh, still yeah, impressive. So it was pretty clean. It's pretty, pretty clean. It pretty clean. Uh, but yeah. Because
0: the... you can watch that match on New Japan World. Oh,
1: I know what I might be doing before I go to sleep tonight. Uh, the, But yeah. Can you imagine? Vader does those, those uh, shoot... We call them the, the shoot Vader fists like in the corner. Mm-hmm. Imagine him like just pissed off holding one eye closed. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like Joe Joshu might have got knocked a little silly. I don't know. Next week, Slambury
0: 1995.
1: Get out your baseball bat. Why is the Slamberie logo always a baseball timing? Because they like get out your baseball bat. Grand Slam, man. I yeah, it's know. the Grand Slambury. It's not in a baseball arena or anything. I don't know. I just always yeah. thought it was
0: funny. But yeah, Slammery. Slammery! Uh, Back some to the legends. W. We'll get some legends. Oh,
2: of course we will. Heck yeah. We get some Hall of Fame. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, we'll get. Some tears, maybe?
1: Maybe some tears. Uh, maybe some beers. There's a, There will be a tear in my beer at some point in that show. I promise. <laughs> I can guarantee
0: it. <laughs> Music from this week's show The Theme from In Your House One by Jim Johnston. And Diesel won our main event, so we play his theme song, Diesel Blues, which was also by Jim Johnston.
2: Uh huh That old Double J and his music, I tell you.
0: If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns...
2: Recipes or ideas. Yeah, what's
0: hot in St. Petersburg? That's
2: right, St. Pete, Florida? Yeah. Yes. Uh... Let's get yeah, down there. Yeah, we
1: haven't been there. It's nice to go to places I was outside to of Philadelphia. Remember, have we been there or not? I don't think so.
0: Okay. I'm sure we've been to Florida multiple I mean, times. It's but, literally a it and Tampa are basically like twin, the twin cities, so, so we kind of have been there since we've been to Tampa. But yeah, close enough. Not, we, I don't really. think we've been to this arena that kind <laughs> of thing. But you can always do that on email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail or find us on Twitter. At Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide into those DMs
2: later.